Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. All right, well, good morning, and thank you for joining me again today, this Sunday. And today, I want to talk to you about something that I think is pretty significant for our church, uh, that's significant for our direction in this new year, and where I believe God is leading us as a church. Now, I think it might be a foundational shift in how many of us think about the church, uh, our faith, really how many of us think about how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, if you know me at all, you are aware of the fact that I have terrible eyesight. I am, I'm blind. I'm super nearsighted, which basically means that without glasses or contacts, I can only see things that are close up, that I can't make out words or faces that are much further away unless I have my glasses on. So if like, if you're 15, 20 feet away from me, I don't know who you are. And that worked for me fine until I turned about 40. And all of a sudden, I had a hard time reading or seeing the small text in a book or on my phone. And I had to give in to the fact that I need reading glasses. The real problem is that when my eyes are trying to adjust to different distances, I can only pick up one of those distances. I can't see things both close up and far away at the same time. I can't focus on it. And here's basically how it works, okay? Without corrective lenses, nothing on, I can see things up close pretty much just fine. When I have glasses on or contacts, I can see things that are far away perfectly. But when I have them on, my eyes don't have the ability anymore to adjust to things up close. So with glasses, I can read a little tiny sign from 50 feet away, but I can't make out the text on my phone unless I either take my glasses off or if I have contacts in, unless I put reading glasses on. So I was scared by this, okay? And I went to the optometrist to try and figure it out, get a solution. And so we tried some things. Uh, we tried mixing lenses, right? So the corrective lens on one eye would be strong to give me distance vision, and the other lens would be weak so that I could have up-close vision. And all that did was just make everything blurry all the time. Hated it. So then we tried bifocal contact lenses, which is kind of this new thing, uh, but they were really thick and irritating. It felt like I had cornflakes in my eyes, so I couldn't wear those either. And the reality is for me is there's just no good solution to my vision problem. Whatever lenses I choose to see the world through, whether they're my distance lenses or reading glasses or no lenses at all, I will always only be able to see one range of things while the other range of things is going to be out of focus for me. Now, whether your eyesight is perfect or terrible, we all have lenses through which we see the world. Those lenses form our worldview. They form our perceptions of, of how we perceive our environment and the people in our environment. Our worldview informs how we live, how we think, what we do. It tells us what's good and what's bad, what we should do more of and what we should avoid. For example, a worldview that says all people are generally good, it may cause that person to lower our guard, uh, to leave our doors unlocked or to trust people more. Let's say we have a worldview that says all people are generally bad. That may cause us 
to hold onto our purses and wallets a little tighter, uh, to avoid people on the street, or even to expect other people to hurt us all the time. The lenses through which we see the world, uh, they're all influenced by different things. Some of us have a political worldview. So our understanding of the world is primarily influenced by our political leanings, our beliefs. And so how we see the world and how we live in it is, is based on our politics. Some people see the world through lenses of race and ethnicity. I am the way I am because of the color of my skin or where I'm from. Or worse, they are the way they are because of the color of their skin or where they're from. It's a worldview some people have. Some people have religious worldviews, uh, and you don't even have to, you don't have to really be, be a person of faith to see things through religious lenses. I mean, you just have to be from a place where that's the culture to have a religious worldview. Uh, another one is, is there are people who see the world through the lenses of the entertainment they like. You know, they listen to country music or hip hop or classic rock because that style of music reinforces the worldview of, of the small town or the city block they grew up in. Go to Comic-Con sometime and you will see thousands of people who see the world through the lenses of the stories and the characters that they love. I guarantee you that there are people in the world who, when they are facing a big decision, are quietly asking themselves, what would Luke Skywalker do? And then they do accordingly. The point is, is that you and I have lenses through which we see the world that shape what we think, what we do, and how we live. It's our worldview. But our worldviews are not perfect. Just like the lenses that I use to correct my vision, our worldviews can't correct for everything. They're incomplete. They, they don't account for all of the information that exists, and, and they can't, I mean, there's so much. And just like my glasses, they can't bring everything into focus, just certain things. For example, I absolutely love rock music. I always have. I am rock and roll through and through. And when I was younger, the lenses through which I saw rock music were very stringent and very limited, okay? I believed strongly, and for many years, that real rock music did not have keyboards. If it's real rock, it's guitar, bass, and drums, that is it, right? Leave keyboards to the you know, soft pop music of AM radio. And, and I lived that worldview, I fought for it. I was convinced that that was the right way to live and to be in the world. And the problem was, is that I was wrong. If I had won my worldview, then we would never have amazing keyboard solos like this. Or this. Or this. We also wouldn't have keytars or keyboard cat. And I don't know about you, but who would want to live in a world without keyboard cat? 
Not me. Not me. So what's the point? Here it is. Your worldview is wrong. Sometimes. And so is mine. And so is your grandma's, and so is your best friend's, and your favorite celebrities. Which leads to why this might be the most important thing that we talk about this year. I am gravely concerned that the worldviews of Christians, which are wrong sometimes, are negatively impacting the influence of the church in our world and the impact of the gospel in our own lives. Now, before you turn this off because I've stepped on your toes too much, let me assure you that my toes are right next to yours and they are also being stomped on. I just wanna show you how easy it is for our worldview to oppose the gospel without us even realizing it because it happened to someone who knew Jesus really well. And it starts with the apostle Paul sharing a story in Galatians chapter two, verse 11. And he says this, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. So, okay, some background. Paul was hanging out in the city of Antioch with the church there when Peter came to visit him. Now, this is the Jesus's disciple, Peter, okay? This is, this is the guy. This is one of Jesus's best friends, the guy who the church was built on, who started it, a guy who lived with Jesus, heard everything Jesus taught, saw, saw Jesus live everything out. And according to Paul, Peter got something really wrong. Continues. When Peter first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some of the friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. And as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So religious Jews in the first century, they wouldn't eat or associate socially with Gentiles or people who weren't Jewish. Now, this wasn't, you know, a scriptural law. This wasn't something that Moses handed down, but it was this religious custom that developed because in the Jewish worldview, one of the worst things that a good Jew could do was to be corrupted by the idolatry of non-Jews. And, and rightly so, I mean, their history was full of this kind of corruption. The, uh, the Jewish people who would be worshiping foreign gods after allowing pagan influences into, the, into their culture. And through the lenses with which uh, these Jewish Christians saw the world, in order to honor God, they needed to limit the access of foreign influences on their faith. Now, bear in mind, for them, this was not an issue of hate or racism or prejudice, even though it might have played out that way. In their worldview, it was totally accepted. It was an attitude accepted for generations. And it was something that they did in order to please God and to protect their faith. It was an important part of their worldview. But when Christianity started to spread to people who weren't Jewish, this worldview was challenged. I mean, how can we not eat with Gentiles if they're supposed to be equal participants in the church? And it created this tension. And actually, for a time, Peter ate with Gentiles until he was surrounded again by other Christians who shared his old worldview, but had resolved it differently than he did at the beginning. They resolved it by continuing to eat separately from Gentiles. 
And what Paul says next is the key thing for us in verse 14. Paul says, When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and you're living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not quote-unquote sinners like the Gentiles, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Now, it may be easy to look at this conflict on the surface and say that this conflict is, is just, just one between a Jewish Christian worldview and a Gentile Christian worldview. And in that scenario, the Gentile Christian worldview won. But that's not the case. The most important part of this is what Paul says in verse 14. And he said that I saw they were not following the truth of the gospel. This isn't a conflict between worldviews, Jewish and Gentile. This is a conflict between a worldview and the gospel, between a worldview and Jesus. Check this out, okay? The people who held on to this Jewish worldview, they genuinely wanted to obey and please and honor God. They wanted to be holy. They loved Jesus with all their hearts. They wanted to tell people about Jesus and to grow the church. And these things, all part of their worldview, were all good. But their worldview was wrong, sometimes. And the small part of it, that was wrong, it completely conflicted with Jesus and the gospel. They were good people with good intentions. They just had bad lenses. Or at least there were parts of their lenses that were incomplete. And the truth is, is that we also have bad and incomplete lenses. Whatever our background or beliefs, whatever our intentions are, there are things that we still see wrong. And like the Jewish Christians, who were just trying to follow Jesus the best way they knew how, we can do our best to try and follow him and still get it completely wrong too. And at the same time, all the while, we'll just double down on what our, our incomplete worldview is telling us must be right. So to correct this, when we have bad lenses or an incomplete worldview, we have to do a couple of things. First, we need to, in all humility, acknowledge our blind spots. Sometimes I have to hold my phone to one of my kids and ask them to read a text for, to me because I can't make it out. It's totally humbling. I just can't make out what it says. And in the same way, our worldview lenses don't allow us to see everything clearly, which means that we can't in pride and certainty declare that we have it all right. Jesus called us to repent and turn to God, but no one ever repented because they knew they were right. Repentance comes from a heart of a person who knows they need God as much today as they did on day one. So for me, I pray Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 all the time. And it says this, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along a path of everlasting life. I pray that because I know that, God, I'm wrong sometimes. Show me where. 
And then the second thing we need to do to correct this bad worldview, our bad lenses, is to put Jesus at the center of everything. Paul puts it this way in Colossians. He says this, And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. This is important. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense that comes from what? From human thinking or worse, from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ who is head over every ruler and authority. Jesus is everything. He's all you need, he's all I need. And just like you accepted him at the beginning, you must continue to let your lives be built on him. Not built on the lenses through which you see the world, but on Jesus, just Jesus. Don't let your worldview, whether it's political or religious, ethnic or, or crafted by any other human thinking or philosophy, don't let that worldview guide your life. Let Jesus do it. And that's the thing. That's what we are going to do this year as a church. Looking ahead to 2021, we don't really have any big plans or initiatives that we're going to try to get you to sign up for. We're not going to try to mobilize you in some big push or focus on organizing a bunch of big events. Do you want to know what 2021 is going to be all about for the people who are part of Compass? Just Jesus. He's it. That's who we're gonna center on. That's who we're gonna talk about and reinforce and point you to over and over and over again. Just Jesus. Next week, we're gonna start walking through the book of Matthew verse by verse every Sunday to learn about Jesus and his ministry. We're gonna take all the time we need to immerse ourselves in who he is, how he lived, and what he taught. And it may take us all year it may take us longer, but that's okay. Because at the end of the day, I want each of us who call Compass home to live like he lived, to think how he thought, and to do what he taught. Those are the filters through which I wanna live my life and for you to live yours. In fact, you are going to hear that a lot this year because that's what fills in the gaps when our worldviews are wrong. Sometimes. There's room, listen, this is important. There's room for everyone in Jesus. It doesn't matter your background, your experience, or the ways in which you see the world. There's room for every worldview under Jesus, but for the church of Jesus, our worldviews must always come second to him. And that's what we're gonna talk about. It's what we're gonna practice, and it's what we're gonna invest in this year. See, I, I believe this. I believe Jesus may want to play an amazing keyboard solo in your life, even though you always thought keyboards didn't belong in rock music. So let's be willing to accept that our lenses may not be perfect, that in trying to please God, we may have missed some things. Together, let's orient our lives around living like he lived, thinking how he thought, and doing what he taught. Let's live like he lived, think like he thought, 
and do what he taught. And when we do together, I cannot wait to see what God does in you, in me, in our church, and in our community when we as a group of people are living the way he lived, when we think the way he thought about things, and when we are doing everything that he taught us to do. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be an amazing year. Again, not because I know anything about what's gonna happen, but because I know when the people of Jesus live like Jesus, think like Jesus, and do what he taught, that we're an unstoppable force. I can't wait to see it happen. I will see you next time when we start in the book of Matthew. I'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.